0: an intellectual phenomenon. This is, I think, a very important subject. And, uh, Professor Yakira's work is very important on, a, on an issue which I would argue, and uh, others are arguing, is becoming sort of the new form of anti-Semitism, is the, the perception of Israel uh, in some circles. So this is a, an important topic and will be an important lecture. Um, and today, of course, as we speak, it's still Memorial Day in Israel. Israel's is now in a moment of mourning uh, for the soldiers and people who defended Israel. And in a couple of hours they'll celebrate their independence day, from a, a moment of mourning to a time of celebration. Um, professor Yokira was a senior lecturer and professor in the Department of Philosophy at Hebrew University, and he's been there since 1994. He's also a member of the International Scientific Committee of Studies and International, the International Sapozhnikov Institute in Jerusalem. Uh, he, he was educated at Hebrew University, where he, he received his B.A. and uh, Master's degree in philosophy and history, and then went on to do his doctorate degree at uh, the Sorbonne in Paris, yeah, uh, and his degree in philosophy. He's written widely in English, French, and Hebrew. Uh, in 2006, he wrote a book that's uh, looking at post-Zionism and post-Shoah. Uh, and it was translated and published by Cambridge University Press in 2009. So it's really an honor that you're here and welcome to be here. Thank you very um, much. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you for inviting me here. I'm glad for the opportunity to come to this university. It's my first time here. Thank you, for uh, this opportunity. Thank also, I have to thank the
0: Israeli Consulate in New York who sponsored and organized this. Um, also, to, on behalf of you, sir, thank you, Daniel Greenberg, and the also the Sorry, I didn't mention. And
1: um, uh, mm-hmm. <coughs> the opportunity, or the occasion for this uh, very short visit to the United States, precisely the uh, book uh, that was uh, just mentioned here, uh, which I uh, didn't really intend to write, and uh, even less so to say, and uh, you know, well, written in Hebrew and translated into English, and even have just come out in France or French, and who knows what else. And this has taken me a lot of time and energy ever since uh, I sat down to write a hundred-word article, which came out uh, in the form of a few hundred pages book. I am a historian. Uh, my uh, I am teacher of philosophy. I won't say I'm a philosopher. I teach philosophy at, at the University of Jerusalem. Uh, the main thing I've been working on since uh, my student years are 17th century philosophy. I wrote about Bach, uh, about Spinoza and Leibniz, and others. Uh, I also deal with, uh, I, I think, uh, quite uh, a lot with modern philosophers. Like phenomenology and other things. But uh, at a certain point, I uh, felt that uh, something must be said uh, about the phenomenon, which uh, has become, ever since I sat down to, to, to the prison, uh, a, real, a, real, um, a real problem real, I would say, in Israel it is uh, perceived as a a strategic problem. And this is what is called uh, neo-antisemitism, anti-Zionism, Israel-bashing. I was uh, using uh, uh, the term of anti-Israelism or something like this. And uh, 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 since I first started uh, writing the book, uh, it has... uh, developed into a real phenomenon, it's hard to need to judge uh, what will come out of it and how dangerous it is. uh, Certainly, this is a a very important phenomenon. Um, Today, in Israel, is the uh, Yomazikavon, we we commemorate the... uh, Deeds uh, during the, all the wars of Israel, and tomorrow is the day of independence. A week ago, we commemorated Yom Shoah, uh, the uh, day of uh, uh, the Holocaust, and, uh, and this is a very special week and very difficult week usually in Israel. I guess uh, it's worth perhaps two, but maybe not that intensely. And, um, uh, my book uh, precisely uh, bears about this connection between Yom HaShoah, or HaShoah, Holocaust, and Zionism in Israel. And uh, in, on, more specifically on the ways in which, contrary to what this connection in Israel uh, represents, and what they, they often say, And written, of course, uh, on the ways in which the Holocaust has become actually a main argument. I would even say an arm and an efficient one in a wide, all-out ideological uh, war struggle uh, against Israel, against uh, and I and 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 a very efficient arm. And uh, I shall not uh, get into the analysis I offer in the book in the way this is done. Whoever would to see can read it in the book. I, shall, I want to concentrate on a few other things. Anyway, um, um, a week ago, precisely at the day of the, uh, um, the Holocaust, uh, parallel institution uh, to the one we are here now, in uh, Tel Aviv, the university, there is an institute for the study of anti-Semitism as well, headed by, probably, some of you probably know her, Dina good friend. Uh, they publish, uh, they monitor, sort of monitor the uh, uh, anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic uh, incidents all over the world. And she, and, and I haven't yet, had the time to read the report, but uh, what uh, I was published, and uh, she was interviewed uh, on the different uh, media uh, organs. Um, uh, in the last year, and especially since the second the war in Gaza, um, the number of uh, what is it, uh, called um, anti-Semitic. Uh, Incidents can be all the way from insults and uh, to to, to straightforward violence has uh, doubled all over the world. In France, in England, in other places, uh, this has uh, become um, a real issue. We're talking about hundreds, many hundreds of uh, incidents. More important, less important, uh, of anti-Semitic nature. Uh, in the world. Uh, I don't know how it is in the United States, but in Europe, certainly, this is uh, beginning to be a, you know, um, worrying. Many times, though, when it comes to uh, more incidents of the more violent and more uh, good, I would say, vulgar nature, uh, it comes usually from two, I'm talking about Europe, Uh, it comes usually mainly from two, I think so, from two main quarters. It comes either from uh, extreme right-wing hooligans in one way or another, or from Arabs, immigrants, North African, uh, Africans. This has always been, I think, anti-Semitism uh, has always uh, provoked a violence of this kind, and I think basically this is not an interesting phenomenon. This is something to deal with, to be to defend against when it becomes dangerous, and sometimes it becomes dangerous. And this is uh, the methods for local police and local governments to deal with. I don't think intellectually talking. Is a very interesting phenomenon, but there is another phenomenon which is much more interesting and in many many ways much more significant. And this is the uh, another form of anti uh, let me, actually I don't I want I don't want to call it anti-Semitism. And I exp- try to explain. Uh, maybe I will begin with. Uh, was an anecdote? I think it's very significant, although it's very, as usual, it's very often in these cases, it's very difficult to pinpoint the exact significance of the thing. I'm talking about, I, I, the, the invitation to the United States, this one, this is my, my first visit here, uh, was initiated in Minnesota. There's a guy in Minnesota, at the University of Minnesota, who is uh, being very active in uh, anti-anti-Israeli uh, activities. And he found himself completely uh, isolated, so almost completely lonely in this uh, And he, uh, he read my book and he offered me to come. And I came. It was very nice. It was a very nice place. wonderful weather there. And, uh, he organized a public lecture something like this one uh, at uh, one of the university institutes, which is called the Institute for Global Studies. And they had about 30 faculty. There were maybe 40 people at the lecture. It was very nice. But there was not a single faculty present. There were students. Some people came, some Israelis, Jews, I don't know who had about this and came but not a, a single faculty came to hear what an Israeli professor has to say about the problem of anti-violism in Israel. And a few months ago, this was the immediate, I would say, raison uh, d'etre of my being invited there, was a visit by someone by the name of Omar Baguti. Maybe you heard about it. Uh, if not, let me say a word or two. The guy is a, a PhD student at Tel Aviv University an Israeli a uh, Very bright guy, very articulate, who uh, who um, is uh, go, you know, globetrotting uh, the, the the whole planet, or at least in the West. Uh, 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 trying to explain and to justify the calls for BDS. He is a student and student at the uh, university, going around all, all over the place, uh, calling for a boycotting his own university. And uh, he was invited, and there were uh, a lot of uh, a lot of faculty.
2: Uh, I was invited afterward, and the
1: After this discourse, and no one came. I think this is very significant. This is very significant (coughs) in the the situation in which we Israelis find ourselves here in many American campuses and in other places as well. Anti-Zionism is the name often given this uh, kind of, uh, all kinds of, um, it's often quite different, uh, anti-Israeli attitudes. And this is what I would like to, to talk about a little bit here today. Um, Anti-Zionism is all, is all the Zionism. It has been, at the beginning, Basically, a Jewish phenomenon. In the Jewish world, where Zionism was born, uh, from the beginning it uh, was uh, opposed by uh, by uh, Orthodox, by uh, by uh, communist, by uh, Buddhist, by uh, uh, assimilationists. Uh, you name it. Uh, here in the United States, I think that much of the uh, more or less organized opposition to Israel as a state and to the Zionist idea as such comes—I uh, uh, I, I, I say with a lot of uh, precaution—and I'm not sure that I'm right—but I think that it comes much, uh, very often from uh, from um, the Reform the Reformist Jews. And in this sense, this uh, has been uh, always uh, an inner Jewish debate. Since (coughs) the beginning, though, of the um, Jewish uh, Zionist uh, immigration into Palestine and the land of Israel, um, uh, this opposition has become uh, also, of course, uh, non-Jewish. First of all, arms. Their arms opposed the Jewish immigration, uh, the Zionist immigration from the very beginning, especially after the Balfour uh, Declaration, when it has become clear that uh, we are talking about establishing a national home uh, for the Jewish people in Palestine. Uh, this has become active and very soon afterwards violent opposition to the Jewish immigration. But uh, this uh, proposition uh, was coming uh, also from other quarters as well. For instance, I've just reading a book just to give you an example uh, about the K. about the attitude of the uh, French uh, foreign uh, service and diplomacy, uh, 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 which is called the One uh, Century of Betrayal. Of, of and uh, it shows how uh, how constant uh, the opposition of, of French diplomacy to the idea of a national house, of a Jewish state, Chinese, and so on. has always been there until more or less now. Uh, however, and then, of course, 48, 47, 48, establishment of the state of Israel. Um, the opposition to the state of Israel on many, many levels in many many ways continued, and also anti-Zionism in many different forms. However, <coughs> um, since I'm talking about mainly since 48, since the establishment of the state of Israel, I, can, I think that until lately, this opposition to Israel, to Zionism, Anti Zionism, I'm talking mainly about uh, Jewish uh, anti Zionism, ideological uh, opposition to the Zionist idea, yeah. uh, and to some extent also non Jewish. I would say that until lately, <coughs> anti Zionism has been mostly passive anti Zionism. <coughs> to put it very shortly, people would just say, in Hebrew, we have a nice idiom. We are not part of it. You do what you do, <coughs> you build uh, the, uh, your country. Uh, we are not part of it. We, are, we, we live our lives, whether it is here in the United States or elsewhere, don't bother us with this. We have kind of feelings, but we are not part of it. It's your, it's your business. Since a few years ago, several years ago, I think I can more or less <coughs> localize, okay, the, uh, the, the more or less precise point when this has changed, and maybe I'll say a word about it. It has become an active anti-Sahamacy. Uh what is new about this, that uh, 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 the possibility, the idea of dismantling Joyce state has become <coughs> something which is legitimate, to say. In very different forms, some of them more wider, some of them less, more sophisticated, more subtle. For instance, it has become a mainstream almost, in certain circles, academic and otherwise, to talk today on one state, on the one-state solution, there are all kinds of uh, of excuses and explanation. But if, but if you read, which things that I did, uh, the very few attempts to offer a serious outline for what is called the one-state solution, you can see. And I'm not talking about the fact that it's not going to work anyway. Of course, everybody who has the slightest understanding about the situation in Israel, in the Middle East, uh, all knows about how it works in other places, By binational solution. He knows that, not to speak about that, about 95, 98% of the Jewish population and the Arab population would never accept real binational solution. This is not the point. The point is that, once again, I'm coming back, back to where I began this sentence. Uh, when you read the programs, the project, the uh, the very few ones that were trying to allegedly attack the question in a serious and a scientific way, you see that it is always based on uh, some kind or another of rejection of the. Right of the Jews to self determination. Maybe to have their own state. People would say, yes, of course, the Holocaust, we learned from the Holocaust that the Jews need to have a the haven, they have, need to be able to come, uh, you know, to run away from wherever they are persecuted, persecuted and, and come to, let's say, this land. But they will have to give up, which is only a kind of imaginary and uh, you know, uh, not serious, anyway, will to have their own uh, state or uh, state like institutions. It's always like this. So, in other words, um, in other words, the idea of uh, of this active antisemitism. This is what I'm calling this active antisemitism. People would talk even I'm not talk- uh, would talk seriously today about forcing the Jews giving up the Jewish culture of the state and one state, by national state, states of all all its citizens. This is one of the slogans that is uh, in, uh, very uh, current, which are all all hide the same thing. Uh, Jews do not have the right for self-determination, or it is okay if we deny Jews deny the right of self-determination, one way or another. And and. The next thing, we have to take uh, (coughs) concrete steps in order to realize these non-national, post-national, anti-national, two-state, what-state, whatever. Whatever you like. There are many, many, many names and titles uh, around. Um, Um, so, um, this is one thing that uh, is new about car under a crime. It is active and not passive. When did it happen? When did it uh, become a legitimate discourse? My impression that this has happened, this happened around 2000, the year 2000. And to make a very long story short, I would say it's uh, In 2000, after the uh, failure of peace negotiations between Israelis and Palestinians uh, in Delhi, led by Iraq on our side and Yasir Arafat on the other side, Suddenly, many people became trapped in a, a social media. offered to the Palestinians and David to go beyond the, uh, the peace programs, the most radical peace program offered by Israeli left, at least, including, for instance, dividing Jerusalem. This has never been said explicitly by any of the Zionist, left-wing diplomats, uh, politicians in Israel. Yossi Sari, Yossi Bailey, you name it, never thought that it would be possible. Barak accepted the in Jerusalem and this is only as an indication of the lengths to which he went in order to get an agreement. Are transfused. Are transfused. I don't want to get into, it. there are many, many, many uh, discussions around it. I don't want to get into it. I happen to write a book about this. I think I know what I'm talking about, um, or involved, actually, in writing uh, some book. I think I know, what I, I, I know about uh, what I'm talking about in this respect, and uh, I think that uh, President Clinton is, is, did say what has to be said. He said there was an offer on the table, the Israelis accepted, the Palestinians rejected, all the rest, all the rest is gossip, hmm. and I think it was right. So at this very moment, I time, I would have told you a few very interesting anecdotes. When this happened, I, was, I happened to be in France on a sabbatical, but uh, we don't have time to get into it. Anyway, the the minute this happened, the minute uh, violence erupted in Israel, in the Middle East, between Israelis and Palestinians, still the, the, what is called the Clinton power matter, the Clinton proposition was still on the table. You could have heard already in Europe, and immediately, uh, in certain circles of Israeli left, this discourse, they're not na- talking about the uh, one-state solution, the dismantling of the Jewish state, of Israel as a state. Immediately, still, I'm, ta- I'm saying still, Israel was offering to evacuate over 100 settlements, to divide Jerusalem, to, to go more or less back to the 67, to establish a Palestinian state. It didn't work. The cause of the failure of the Palestinians. And immediately afterwards, this active anti-Zionism appeared in, uh, on the stage. In Israel and elsewhere. Um, now, there is a terminological problem here, which is more, of as is very often the case, it's more than just terminological. What is this anti zionism Is it anti-Semitism? Why talk about anti zionism here, in an Institute? Uh, how is, uh, what do they read that? What? The Yale initiative for the of anti-Semitism. Of anti-Semitism. <laughs> why, why, why are you talking about anti zionism about anti-Israelism, about Israel, Israel, basically, in in uh, here? So, um, because, and, and the answer is not simple. I want to say a few words. But, um, <coughs> first of all, I would say antisemitism. I'm sure you know, uh, is a recent term. It was coined by the second half of the nineteenth century. And it's uh, in a very specific historic uh, context. Opposition to <coughs> Jews. Uh, a few people were uh, proposing lately not to talk at, uh, on, on anti-Semitism but about Judeophobia. Hatred or opposition or rejection or whatever of Jews. And as you know, like, oh, this is a very old phenomenon. You know, we find it already in the real world. Some kind of uneasiness. Almost, uh, I would say, aesthetic uneasiness in front of this uh, strange phenomenon that they found this corner, corner of the Middle East. I would say in a very schematic way that there are four stages in the history of antisemitism: This classical anti-Semitism, and then the Paulinian Christian anti-Semitism, which is the main, uh, the main mark Main element of uh, France or, uh, until uh, modern times. Then, in modern times, the Jews became emancipated, not anymore uh, recognized as uh, different in many European uh, states. Uh, was born, was came the uh, uh, third uh, stage of uh, anti Judaism, which is Exactly, this anti Semitism in its modern form, Russian racist uh, form, uh, and then the modern one, the actual, the contemporary one, the fourth stage, which is directed mainly against Israel. Now, in one sense, at least, there are more than this, but in one, one sense at least, the contemporary anti-Judaism or hatred of uh, Israel or whatever is more similar to medieval antisemitism, to the religious and theological, which was religious and theological rejection of Judaism is what I call Paulinian anti-Semitism or rejection of Judaism. Then to the um, to the uh, modern racist antise. Why? I just want to take one element. There more, but I want to take one element. In medieval anti-Semitism, the option of conversion existed, which has disappeared in racist anti-Semitism. People cannot convert from one race to another, or this is a deterministic form of existence, race, legally. But people can indeed always convert from one religion to another, accepting uh, presumably as we saw in Spain, after the forced conversion of Jews in Spain, uh, in Spain, the first uh, expression of uh, some kind of racist, blood-based rejection of Judea. this is another story. Nowadays, the way of conversion is open again. And in fact, the anti-Israeli campaign is almost led by converts. Israelis, ex-Israelis and Jews who are today leading in many cases and they they usually don't even understand what they are being used and abused and and and, and uh, 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 in this campaign, anti-Israeli campaign campaign all over the world. Um, <coughs> um, this is probably to my mind the ugliest most problematic, morally, aspect of contemporary anti-Zionism. I know exactly how it works, and uh, and. Uh, To me, is just one little example of how these how these things work. Um, well, I want to, to begin to finish, so we can have some time to questions. But uh, I want to um, to end. I permit myself to say, after all, if, you know, I, uh, some, a few sentences f- about the book. The book has three essays, which are independent of one another, but have a certain common theme, <coughs> which is the uh, use of the, Holocaust, the way of the Holocaust become different with the Holocaust, and the connection between the Holocaust and anti-Israeli attitudes, ideological The first part, I'm talking about a certain brand, I want to emphasize, a certain brand of Holocaust deniers. This is the Holocaust deniers from the the French left meaning. They take themselves to be intellectuals. And in certain ways, they belong to a certain intellectual subculture. They talk the they they don't throw stones, they don't eat, they don't uh, burn uh, synagogues. They talk the question of theory. Some of them has gone all the way to straightforward Holocaust denial, to saying in the most explicit and simple way, "No, Nazis, German have never." destroyed, killed Jews in the gas chambers. And they say, not despite being people from the left, but to the, as uh, they see, it because they think that people belong to the left. Second part is, deals with what I call in the, the book, the good Israelis. Those people who, like Babuki, arms, non-arms, Israelis, traveling all over, invited all over. Uh, you just, uh, in all the big, important campuses, you meet them, you see them, you hear them, they are all over the place. Uh, much more than people like me. Much easier for them to travel, to be invited, to be published, to be translated, to be read. And, uh, and, 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 and all of them, the ones I deal with, connect in one way or another, they are very radical criticism of Israel to, uh, to the Holocaust, in different ways. I don't want to do Just I would add that since the last few years, this phenomenon has... Uh, have acquired a quite, very interesting uh, characteristics. These people have certain hold in, in universities in Israel, in Israel, not in Israel in They have a certain following students, but basically they are very they constitute a very very small minority even in universities. They stopped talking to us. They are now talking to their colleagues and comrades abroad, almost exclusively. This is very interesting. They are in the in Jerusalem, in Brazil, in Haifa, in They get salaries from this institution. And other benefits, I can show you, the relatively speaking, being a professor in a University is not such a bad deal. It's better, perhaps, being a professor in an American <laughs> University, but in Israel it's also not that bad. So there I enjoyed all this and at the same time doing what the same. Maybe just a short anecdote here. One of the guys or the people, used to be a friend of mine like some others uh, uh, called Abi Ophir and in some other a few other uh, institutions has been uh, walk, uh, <coughs> traveling around like Baguti uh, promoting a book he co-edited with an, uh, some two or three other people uh, calling uh, the book basically all kind of theoretical discussion of the justification as the BDS um, one of the co-editors of the book is a guy from an uh, aunt from um, uh, the American University in Beirut, and they were uh, going from a campus to campus in Europe. And uh, when it, uh, people in Beirut found out about it, they published. Uh, or some kind of uh, uh, something, uh, anyway, a paper called it saying that uh, it is absolutely unacceptable for them, for the university in Beirut, American University in Beirut, that uh, if the, one of the faculty will, would collaborate with an Israel. And mind you, the collaboration was about calling BDS against Israel and Adi in particular he has written explicitly about it. is calling uh, more and more uh, explicitly uh, to, uh, to, to dismantle Israel, to make it into a binational or whatever state. So even with these people, uh, the faculty of the American University in the world are not supposed to collaborate. That's a very interesting thing, I think. Um, anyway. The third part of the book, and I shall finish with saying a few words about this, is about, Han, about Hannah Arendt. Now, Hannah Arendt was a great woman, no doubt about it. I think, though, that her attitude towards Israel and towards Zionism, which is very long, it's, uh, something which goes all along uh, life basically or career or at least after, since she was a very, very young woman constitute something that which I would call a moral failure. A moral failure. She was uh, she, she was apparently a uh, 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 internally um, ambiguous always about her Zionism and about Zionism and about the state of Israel. But she, I would say she, uh, she didn't find another solution to this inner, inner strife within her about Israel, which could, you know, sometimes positive, sometimes ne- negative, other than Writing this book, some few pieces, and the book uh, on Ashman, which I think has done tremendous uh, uh, damage to, to the idea, to the to the to the image of Israel, and uh, and, and 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 in other ways as well. Now, the point is, and this was one of the main reasons why I thought I should write something about her in this book, is that Hannah Arendt has become, as you probably know today, a hero uh, of intellectual culture in the West, and in, to some extent in Israel as well. She married, to a large extent, this, uh, this uh, this, I would say, this status. She was a very serious woman, very courageous in many ways, a fascinating figure in many, many ways. But the hagiography, which was built around there, uh, I think should be seen as a huge appreciation, sometimes exaggerated, sometimes not. Uh, she enjoys nowadays should be seen in connection to this uh, role, her role in, 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 in presenting this uh, uh, image of Israel to the Jews and non-Jewish public outside of Israel. And this, I would say, and this would be my last remark here, that in a paradoxical sense, through the importance of Hana'a in, in nowadays in, in contemporary uh, intellectual and culture, through this her attitudes toward Israel and Zionism, the ambiguity, um, we can uh, and all the, this can um, in some sense e- explain and expresses. Uh, something which is again parallel to, um, to, uh, to to what we see in, in, in um, ancient times, in um, at the beginning of Christian culture, and I mean this. Anti, uh, especially if you talk about Pauline theology, Pauline Christianity attitudes towards Judaism is constitutive, was constitutive to the Christian self-perception and to Christian uh, uh, civilization in in general. And I would go as far as saying that one of the things that we discovered today, that anti-Zionism playing a parallel and similar role, a
3: constitutive
1: role, in the formation of modern, nowadays, contemporary, intellectual culture in the West. This is that important, and because of this importance, it is so harmful and dangerous and morally outrageous. Thank you very much. I'll finish here, so we have some time.
0: I think you, you touched on many important things. One thing that you touched on was the role of, um, of Reformed Judaism uh, in the United States. And I find it fascinating, uh, especially in the President Obama Seder in the White House. In Reformed Judaism, it, it, it uh, disconnects from traditional Judaism in the sense that Israel and Jerusalem is no longer the center, but the center is... Uh, that New Jerusalem would either be Berlin or, or Washington. The Berlin experience for reformed Jews obviously failed, but there's apparently this hope that it will uh, succeed here. Um, and it's also, I would say, that's one phenomenon in the, the American Jewish community that I find fascinating. Another... But you agree?
1: Uh, I agree, yeah. I think, I think you touched on something. There's something
0: happening in the American Jewish community that I think is important to look at. The, the role of Reform Judaism, in, in uh, its perception in relationship to Israel and its uh, perception of the, its future in the United States, is in the American society, I find it fascinating, wor- worthy of uh, serious research. Okay. Um, and there's also uh, a, a disconnect between some of the American Jewish community and Israel, and there's uh, there's a tension. Um, and uh, so some, of it, some of the criticism perhaps is warranted, but I think there's some that are not. So for people, for example, who are dealing with anti-Semitism in a contemporary context, people like me and other scholars who go around dealing with these issues, were often perceived as the enemy, even within the Jewish community, among Jewish intellectuals and, and other liberal intellectuals that were somehow poor supporters of neocons of war-mongers, or, you know, yeah, and warmongers. That does to me. Yeah, so we, we and as you say, and I think it's very important, we don't have, uh, we're not kosher, we have not converted uh, in a sense. And I, so I think this notion of conversion is very powerful, too, that you speak to. And I find this externally dangerous. It reminds me, and uh, I think in the American Jewish leadership in the 1930s, there was a silence, um, that there was a feeling among some leaders that Yiddish-speaking shtetl, primitive shtetl Jews coming to the United States would uh, create anti-Semitism and there wasn't an outcry even among the Jewish leaders to bring in refugees when there. there could have been more done. They knew, Roosevelt knew in 1942 that the Holocaust was underway, etc. Um, and the irrationality of it, because then you speak about Holocaust, the irrationality that here we have on the Khinejad and the Iranian regime, not the people, but the regime that is genocidal and it's anti-Semitism. They're open, they're honest, they're consistent, they have an ideology, they have symbols, they have policies, they have religious rulings, they're clear what they want to do. And, there's a, and I would see this as a social movement uh, changing the, the face of the, at least the Middle East. And yet, you have liberal intellectuals, as you say, particularly in Europe, that speak of a one-state solution, of human rights, of uh, some <coughs> you know twisted notion of uh, social justice, and national identity, and that Jews are not entitled to self-determination. Mm-hmm. And yet, we would be throwing—if this would happen—we'd be throwing a, a democratic society with contradictions and problems to, to the walls. And here is a, a social movement that the, the, the left-wing intellectuals would expect Israelis to share society with with one of the most reactionary social movements on the planet. This is a social movement that wants to destroy democracy, it wants to kill Jews, or or at least remove Jews from every self-determination, create different levels of citizenship for different groups of people like women and gay people and other religious minorities, um, have different legal systems, and yet, human rights activists and some liberal intellectuals in the West would, uh, would allow Jews to be to have that to share that faith with this social movement. So the contradictions are glaring, and um, I would even say that the, the Obama's policy on containment of uh, Iran smacks of this uh, of this problem. How 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 do you perceive? How do we unpack it as intellectuals, as people? Concerned about human rights and also not just the fate of the Jewish people, but of of social democracy and humane values. How do we get our message across? And and just to add to to the question, I think one of the difficulties that I have, and I think other scholars have, is that we speak to well intentioned, highly educated, well read, good people in our fields. When we talk about this issue, it's like their eyes glaze over, and they're disconnected. I know. I know. How do we? How do we? Deal, how do we get this message out? That this tremendous and dangerous conversation. Can we take someone else? Talk to you. <laughs> okay.
2: I let me let me throw a smoke bomb into the room. Okay. I am a retired uh, U.S. diplomat. I am now an independent scholar. I consider myself conservative, and I've always been, although I was never, until very recently, even a member of the Republican Party. If you look at the polling data in the United States, take the most recent one, views on Israel, 63% support. That's general in the public. More, I think. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's the lowest one. So the last one, I think, it was more than 70 yeah, if you take if you take how many what is two percent of the population is Jewish, there is a vast pool of Americans who have an understanding of Israel, an intuitive affinity. And I will tell you that most of them are not liberal. They may be independent, they may be conservative, they are not represented in most of academe, That is a fact. I think one of the problems I don't speak to Europe, because I think that's a different problem. But uh, the problem here is that this political segregation occurred, so the people talk to each other and they get in a hothouse environment. But it is not, It is so far, the elite in the United States has not succeeded in convincing the rest of the population. And I will say, I think now with the Tea Party movement and things like that, it's going to be more difficult for the elite to persuade the average American of many points of view, of which anti-Zionism is just one. So that's kind of a positive. The problem is (laughs) there is a big gulf. The people that you would speak to at universities, absolutely. There is no connection. And the people who have this general sense are completely disconnected. That's a that's a that's a difficult and I say that because I don't think that's the same in Europe. I think the European issue has a lot more baggage with it. You know there were many people who who uh, experienced the Holocaust and didn't find it negative. So that uh, that's a, that's a baggage that you can push it down as far as it's you want. It's different. It's different. It's not necessarily better. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's better. But I'm saying it's, it's different. Different. very different. They're very different atmospheres. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, two things. One on uh, uh, May first. Uh, May first. May first. There's going to be May Day, which is a leftist uh, celebration on the New Haven Green. It's Shabbat. For s- some people, wouldn't uh, have anything to do. Go there or, or, or drive there or anything, but. Last year there was an Israeli boycott um, table, and if anyone wants to go and see it and talk with those people, uh, it's going to be on the Green May First. And secondly, I was wondering how the uh, non-acceptance of reform converts and conservative converts to uh, um, in, by the Israeli uh, Orthodox rabbis has anything to do with attitudes towards Israel. Uh, you know because. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, writings in conservative magazines and reform magazines about conversion problems. Okay. Okay. Let's take
1: another question. Okay. I want to address
3: two, two topics that you mentioned in your talk. One is uh, the Holocaust as, an, as a major issue uh, for the intellectuals, uh, not on the only intellectuals. Ahmadinejad is, now, is, is also one of them, and I don't consider him to be an intellectual. Uh, uh, that they use that as a, a major vehicle to deny the right of Israel to exist. And the other issue is the one state uh, solution. Uh, I think that th- those two issues became uh, a really a direct result of a policy that had been pursued by the official policy that was pursued by the state of Israel for all, so many years that they really hinged the existence of Israel, their justification for the existence on the Holocaust. On the other hand, for all these years, they put it in the shadow, the situation of the Jews who lived in Arab countries, that the, uh, the precarious situation that they had lived there and the very fact that almost none of them left there. All of them left those Arab countries. They are not there anymore. So why not? And those that thing is important because it can it can serve as a strong indicator to what Jews can expect to live as a minority in a one-state situation. Nobody was talking about it till today, and this is, I think, is of, uh, the fault uh, of the omission by the Israeli. Establishment. Why they they follow this line? It's beyond me. But this is a, this. I could that. What is your opinion about it?
1: Okay, I try to uh, comment uh, on the com- on the comments. <laughs> um, let me say this. Uh, let me begin from the end. Uh, I don't. I didn't really intend to do it in my book and not in the very numerous uh, discussions that I participated in in all forms after the appearance of the book, neither here in the United States, not even today. I don't want to make the apology this way. Uh, when we see it, I don't know how many of you know the, the institution of uh, Friday nights uh, houses and uh, when we sit the uh, friends and we do not about, uh, <coughs> about the government, about, <coughs> about the state, about everything that There is a, a, a very famous, uh, I think this is maybe the best uh, definition of anti-Semitism, which is uh, that the anti-Semitism the, uh, is someone who hates the Jews more than they deserve. Uh, I can say that uh, the same thing can be said about Israel. There's a lot of things that can be said about Israel a lot of criticism in many ways. However, I think that the idea that, and I'm talking about quite a lot in my book, the idea that Israel has somehow used the Holocaust in order to justify itself in many ways is false. It is simply not the case. Uh, it has become one of the anti-Israeli myth that use the Holocaust as an argument. Um, one of the arguments that um, this, this left wing and other uh, Holocaust deniers use is precisely this. Israel, besides the fact that the I'm telling you the book. Uh, an amazing incident that I had. I spent a few hours with one of the main uh, Holocaust deniers of this book. It's called *The Beyond*, because you have heard the name. Uh, I, he didn't know at the beginning from where I was from, where I came from, and for hours and hours on, he explained to me. Uh, I was asking questions. And he was giving answers, very nice person by the way. Um, t- He's explaining to me that Auschwitz never took place, uh, gas chambers never, never existed, etc., cetera, etc., etc. Cetera. And then I asked him, look, what kind of uh,